0: This is Island Waves. You're listening to Something to Talk About, a series on everyday people and giving them a voice into their lives. Island Waves, the voice of Prince Edward. To this episode of Something to Talk About today's guest is Gordon Belcher, based in Prince Edward Island, on Canada's east coast. Gordon Belcher has been entertaining audiences in Canada and around the world for more than fifty years, performing at concerts, Cayleys, conventions, and pubs as accompanist and featured vocalist with. PEI Fiddlers Richard Wood and Cynthia McLeod, Gordon has toured extensively across Canada in the US, the UK, Europe, Japan and Australia. Gordon has received several nominations at the Music PEI Awards over the years. In 2013, his Past, Presence, Past and Present won Roots Traditional Recording of the Year. Previous solo CDs Call Up All the Neighbors in 2008 and Reel in the Flickering Light in 2003 garnered nominations for Roots' Traditional Solo Recording of the Year at Canada's East Coast Music Awards. Whether playing before large festival crowds or in intimate folk club settings, Gordon Belcher's engaging personality, charming voice, and Versatility on a variety of instruments are a true recipe for a memorable evening. Welcome to the show, Gordon Belcher. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day, Gordon, to to meet with us and talk to us today. You have a very full, lifelong career in the music industry, spanning decades, but it all started in Saskatchewan. Well, I was born
1: in Saskatchewan. Where? a uh, little town in the southwest in the southwest but, of Saskatchewan uh, I actually grew up in Edmonton
0: Well that yeah you how old were you when your family moved to
1: Edmonton We moved to Calgary when I was uh, 1 okay. and then to Edmonton when I was 3
0: So you were born in I Saskatchewan just, yeah, and you and were I'm raised really <laughs> Yes well and uh, you were raised in, in Edmonton, did you say? Yeah. Okay, What uh, in the city or in the rural areas? Oh, in, in the city. Is it Anthony Headley Boulevard? Dovercourt. Okay, yeah. I say Anthony Headley, is it Anthony Headley? Anthony Henday, yeah. That's, that's the big road. Yeah, but that's
1: only been there since I left.
0: Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a road and a half. Yeah. You can get yeah. lost on that road. <laughs> Uh, do you have any siblings? I have one sister. It still lives in Edmonton. She lives in High River. In Alberta. Yeah. And what was family life like then?
1: Oh, it's a long time ago. <laughs> well,
0: yes. Did your parents uh, yeah, both they, work? Yeah,
1: they, they sang and played at parties and whatnot, but they, you know, Nothing professional, but they were—they were both really good singers and really good to, at party.
0: <laughs> what <laughs> I think all our parents were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Things were a bit different—the Bon Vivant the bon generation. Uh, so, what did they do for work? Were they musicians uh, by I trade? He
1: had a transport company with a couple of his brothers, and that's we, he ended up opening the Edmonton office. That's why we moved to Edmonton. And so he did that until 1964, I think, and then he was a salesman for Chrysler for the rest of his career. And your mom? Housewife.
0: Stay at home mom? Yeah. Yeah. So you went to public school? Yeah. High school in, in Edmonton. And what started you into your music? Well, in our,
1: I guess we were 14 when I started the first band.
0: But before that, you took accordion lessons. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Eight, I seven. Did. Why the accordion, Gordon? Oh, There's well, story it's such there.
1: a hip instrument. It is a hip <laughs>
0: instrument.
1: No, but it was a great way to learn. Because uh, like the keyboard, the, the mathematics of a keyboard is so obvious. Like, you, you know, you've got the, the low note and the high note and the half notes, the black notes. So you can get the mathematics about what how music is put together. And with the accordion, it, on the left hand, it had chords and bass notes. So it was like a full orchestra. On the accordion.
0: It's, I find it a very complicated intru- instrument. It's very respectable. You have to know what you're doing, and you can get quite the workout. Yeah, it's sure. an aerobic workout. And
1: it was a piano accordion, like button accordions yes. now are
0: a different note going out than they are coming in. I wondered what the difference yeah. was, because yeah. they call them piano accordions now. Yeah. Uh, I got one from the library one time, and... I think it was during COVID and attended. And it, when I say it's an aerobic workout, that <laughs> and the pump organ, you don't need exercise equipment. Yeah. And when I was growing up, if you didn't, if your parents either couldn't afford or didn't have the space for a piano, you learned how to use uh, do the piano on an accordion. Exactly. So, yeah. and you competed in, in various music festivals. Yeah.
1: That's again. That's a long...
0: Well, do you remember your first one? <laughs> uh,
1: I I remember that most of them. Uh, there was another girl that was about the same age as me, like whatever age we were, ten or eleven to twelve. And of course, she was. She had a nice white shiny accordion with the of gold course. keys and she was really pretty
0: and the mother so, of pearl yeah yeah and
1: i had the black accordion and i was the boy so we when we'd have a competition she'd always just beat me because she was pretty <laughs> and she was good I mean, and she, she was, was a good,
0: good.
1: Player. yeah yeah, but yeah. She, she was as good a player as i was she they always gave her that little extra big about the music business <laughs> at, very
0: at very an very early age, age. Yes. so how old were you when you were in your first competition probably. was that when you were 14 or
1: oh, probably when I was 11
0: 11 yeah that's a big step
1: yeah no i played it for five years so i would age 7 to age 12
0: and coming from a musical family i would imagine your family was very supportive of oh, of your sure. musical and did your sister also play music uh
1: she did she's 13 years younger than i am so, okay uh, i was almost gone
0: almost gone yes
1: she yes to start playing yeah
0: the first band you mentioned being you're having your first band when you were 14 yeah uh, was that the little bit of heat? Little bit of heat. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that.
1: There's uh five of us, actually. Four of us, and then we got a singer yeah. uh, who played the keyboard. That's the
0: picture on the top. Is that the very top picture? The very top one, yes. Yeah. In- I yeah. thought it was the Beatles. <laughs>
2: those,
0: are, those those four guys are your band? Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Wow. Impressive. Four, four piece like that. And, uh, yeah, so there was, and there was a lot of places to play. You know, at that time in the early 60s, you know, there
0: every were community, hall, had a community dance. hall, high school dances. Do you yeah. remember high school yeah. dances? Yeah. And yeah. we would go and there would be bands, or how yeah. about Battle of the Bands? Did you guys yeah, have that? Absolutely.
1: Well, Edmonton was a, was a really hot right. time for a bands.
0: Yeah, I forgot yeah. about all that. That was yeah. a lot of fun. That was yeah. our life. Yeah, for sure. Every weekend you yeah. could go to a different school, and not just high school, I mean, even in grammar school, and I mm-hmm. went to Catholic schools, yeah. and you could still go and uh, enjoy a good band. And then a
1: lot of the uh, small towns around the city, like the Camrose and uh, Rimby, and you know, the, within an hour's drive from the city, a lot of them had teen clubs in their churches right
0: right oh cyo we had that yeah, cyo you know, and we the had, team we club. Had a mm-hmm. great circuit of playing yeah gosh we were never bored and mm-hmm. then when we weren't going to see the bands or to the dances we would follow them because they were garage bands or <laughs> basement bands <laughs> i guess we were the original groupies there you go. right yeah. there you go so you switched from accordion to playing bass and guitar yeah what why that choice? Because accordions well, I mean, don't fit into rock bands? In 1964,
1: the Beatles came along. Right. Was, you, at that point, nobody played an accordion in a rock band. No. no. I mean, yeah. they do not now. Now
0: they do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christine McVeigh was great in yeah. Fleetwood Mac with her contributions so with the first, yeah. with the squeeze box.
1: So, in the, like the first one, when we first got together, there was three of us that played guitar or tried to play guitar. And of the three of us, I was the least proficient. So, I became the bass player.
0: The bass player. Yeah. So, did you have formal lessons? in music, or was this acquired on your own?
1: The formal lessons were just the accordion. Yes, yes, yes. And then you picked up the, the
0: guitar. Eventually, you shortened the band's name to The Heat. The Heat, yeah. That's right, because you were it getting... It cooler. <laughs> well, that is cool. So yeah. by that time, so you were 14 or, or around that when yeah. you started the band, so did this progress through high school with yes. the same fellas? Yes. yeah. yeah. Yeah, back right to,
1: right to, to 1969, yeah. Really?
0: Yeah. And did you write your own music, or just? Yeah. Co- yes, the, oh, that's great. And, and the guitar player
1: actually played cello sometimes.
0: Oh, that's lovely. And French horn. Oh, wow, that, 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 that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. That's my hope before yeah. I leave this earth, is to, to learn how to play the cello. And we'll be right back with more of Gordon Belcher on Something to Talk About. Something to Talk About is a series on everyday people and giving a voice into their lives. This series is dedicated to James David Withers, friend, mentor, author, and poet. And also to Shirley Eckhardt, composer of our theme song, singer-songwriter, and namesake of our program, Something to Talk About. You're listening to something to talk about, and we're here today with Gordon Melcher of Guernsey Cove, Prince Edward Island. The band members continued on to 1969 together. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that a learning experience on dealing with people, or was everybody pretty much simpatico? There was no ego issues. Um,
1: not really ego issues. Yeah. Uh, certainly different ambitions. Yes, for sure. but. Uh... We were able to, one of the local promoters in Edmonton, anytime he'd bring in a big act, he'd hired a lot of the local bands. For opening, yeah. So we got to open for The Who. You did, In 1968.
0: Got... At the Edmonton Gardens.
1: At the Edmonton Gardens with four, uh, five other local bands.
0: Incredible. We were 17. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what was that like? That, well, that was a big day. Pretty
1: exciting to be backstage and have The Who walk in the dressing
0: room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: But then when I look back now, they were five years older than us. So they would have been in their early 20s. Right. You
0: know. Right, but back then they were the adults in the room, were <laughs> they? Or I guess, until, uh, who is, is it Peter Townsend? Or Keith Moon was the one that was uh, very famous, if you will say, or infamous. Riton Cummings in that? I No, that's, no, a no, guess no. that's guess the Guess Who. That's the Guess Who, oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the, um, yeah, Keith Moon, I think, was notorious for, was he the drummer and he'd yeah. set his uh, drums on fire or... or do something. Well, at
1: the end of their show, they always smash their instruments.
0: They did, and I, you know, that was something I could never get my head wrapped around, <laughs> Yeah. and they would say the answer was, well, you know, they're rich enough, they can afford to replace them, but it just seems so morally wrong. <laughs> yeah. uh, it did.
1: Yeah, it was just a, an aggressive, they were, you know, they were pretty aggressive, even the music was pretty aggressive.
0: It but, was, yeah. for that time. Now we look back on it, and of course, it pales in comparison with what's out there now. Yeah. Uh, not disparaging current music. Yeah. They were pretty for the time
1: when you really look back at it they were one of the things that they're not you don't usually hear about the who's that how great singers they were
0: they were amazing singers just like the beagles oh absolutely the harmonies absolutely absolutely and And what we were talking absolutely Absolutely. and And in the
1: mixes of in the 60s even those aggressive songs the vocals were right in your face you could hear every word
0: Yes. You know. And the harmonies. Yeah, no, yes, I you mean. can hear that, that good point. You yeah. could hear every word and the harmonies. Uh, it was really quite a unique time, I believe, that we came through with music. And there was so much of it and so much diversity. So you grew up in Edmonton, you you opened for the Who. Who would you say was your greatest single influence in your music? The in Beatles, your, for sure. The Beatles. Absolute. Yeah. Still are. Still <laughs> are. Yeah. yeah, it still amazes yeah. me, right? And yeah. you hear like, things
1: like Paul McCartney, eighty one. You know, and
0: because, his voice is just, you know. And
1: still,
0: and still touring. And still, yeah. t- Ringo Starr as well. Yeah, mm. and not because they have to. Not because they have to. Yeah, they just love it. Right? Absolutely. A yeah. lot of those people. like their life. Yeah. That is their life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, same thing. A lot of the, uh, well, Mick Jagger, I think yeah. they're going for another tour or the yeah. final tour. Yeah. I have to laugh when I hear so and so or they're doing their final tour. And then, you know, uh, well, the younger generation, We'll ask who is that, but if they know who it is, they'll say, "I thought they had died," you know, <laughs> so, or did they do a final tour already?
1: Well, and Mick Jagger was another one that I never thought was a great singer until I there's a a, a show he did at the White House for Obama, and I, I, he might have been in his seventies for sure. Right. I was like, "Wow, this guy can really sing."
0: He can really sing. Yeah. He does have a good range, actually, yeah. and, and right on pitch. Right on pitch you know. and still has it. Yeah. And I have to say, I don't know what he oils his body with, but the guy can still move. <laughs> yeah. He can still move. <laughs> now I don't know <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know if they escort him off the stage or pick him up and carry him. Well, along in that same genre of group, uh, Keith Richards. Yeah. I think we all used to joke when we were younger to say he'll probably outlive us all because of all, you know, he imbibes and it probably is preserving yeah. every part of his body. But I saw an interview with him um, the other day on one of the public uh, TV stations and he was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, now, now, not like 10 or 20 years ago. I think he's a little older than we are. I think the Rolling Stones and the Beatles were just a little bit older than we are. But again, you know, when you're 13 and there's these, even Ah. if they're 17, they're doing a world tour, you know, coming in, you're thinking, oh, my gosh. And you have no idea how old they are. You just think they're the adults in the room, right?
1: (laughs) One of the uh, most recent questions I've heard is we all have to be very cognizant of what kind of a world we're going to leave Keith Richards.
2: This is true. I, yeah, I
0: wonder, I sometimes wonder if he were to give a lecture, what he would be saying, what advice he would give you these days, right? You actually did go to England. You dreamt of going to England. Yes. And you did. You saved your money and you booked crossing by ship.
1: Mm-hmm. Before, uh, the whole band.
0: The whole band.
1: And our van and our, all our gear.
0: Really? Yeah. How did you fund that? I mean, did you guys save, stow away?
1: Or we what? save every penny that we could and uh, put it in a bank account. And that was back when the bookings and stuff had to be done by typewriter. Right. Or, very or by long the phone. Distance phone. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And we were negotiating with a, a an agent in uh, in London and uh, saving our money, booked our passage. whatnot. And I think it, was, it wasn't very long before we were supposed to actually leave. They said, well... We have to have an exchange with an English group coming to Canada. And of course, at that point, it was too late to do that. Right. So we said, well, what are we going to do? So we said, well, we, we'll go anyway. So we went to, to England and spent a month there, just really enjoying it, getting played a little bit.
0: Did you visit we, the cavern?
1: At that point, the cavern was closed. It was okay. like under, uh, under renovation. But we did go to Liverpool. That's where we locked. We docked. In
0: there, yes. Too.
1: And we spent a few days in Manchester and then three weeks, I think, in London.
0: I thought I read somewhere in the last decade that they have renovated and reopened the cavern. I've been there since. Have we're, you? We're and so is it? 15. Still flourishing and. Well, it's beautiful. It is, huh? But yeah,
1: they really renovated and it's really busy. Tenants' I would of imagine. It. There's a tour in Liverpool now called the Magical Mystery Tour. Of course. In the in the magical mystery tour bus.
0: Absolutely.
1: And they go to Strawberry Fields and they go to Penny Lane and uh, end up at the tavern, or the cavern.
0: The cavern, yeah. yeah. All the joys of capitalism, right? <laughs> Somebody with an idea, and I bet you it wasn't any of the Fab Four that did it or their offspring.
1: Well, probably they. Or maybe some. Yoko. Yeah. They as had, had did it licensing yeah. And, yeah. as well.
0: So you moved, uh, so from London, or from England, you came back to Alberta. Mm-hmm. How long were you uh, back in Alberta when you enrolled into radio and TV arts program at Just the Northern year. Alberta? About a year and a half
1: after that, when we got back from England that I went into, it was radio and TV arts. So yes. At Northern Alberta Institute of Technology.
0: Yes, back when they called us. Engineers. <laughs> now I think they're called technicians. Yeah. Uh, what made you take that program, and, and did you get to finish it?
1: I only did a couple of uh, semesters, and then I had an opportunity to join a, one a band that I they were kind of my heroes in the local scene, and they asked me to join them. So I I left the the heat. I left Nate. Uh, I left the institute.
0: Oh yeah, the after the
1: institute. a couple of trimesters.
0: Were you still with? Uh, well, for lack of a better word, a little bit of heat, or the heat. No, we just... By that time, we had disbanded. Everybody kind of went into their adult path <laughs> well, and journeys. different path Different paths. paths, right. Yeah.
1: But I, the, the two semesters that I did were mostly in radio uh, rather than TV. Just yes. Because TV was in the second year. And we did a lot of recording. Uh, you know, at that point, it was just two-track, like reel-to-reel yes. two-track. So you would... Uh, it was a, an interesting thing to do because you would record on, the, say, the left track and bounce it over to the right track and then add another instrument or another voice. On the right bounce track. Them back and, and then back and forth. Yes. So that you could keep building right. with even just two tracks.
0: And mixing was more manual than it is now, uh, yeah. I would say. Sure. Uh, literally engineering. Mm-hmm. And did you study audio, audio engineering as well?
1: Just that the... Just at the at the experimenting institute, experimenting with tape machines and right. not. There was not really a formal training in audio engineering.
0: So the band that you joined, well, was that Patch? Uh,
1: no, that was Willie and the Walkers.
0: Willie and the Walkers. Yeah. And what type of music was that?
1: At that point, it was I suppose you'd call it country rock. It was there was a lot
0: of original stuff. Four but people. Yes. Yeah. Again. And uh, you played bass. I played bass. Did yeah. you do any vocals? Oh yeah, always. So you stayed with this band. Did you tour as well or play local scenes?
1: Just around Alberta. So that that would take us to me, let's see, 74, I guess.
0: Well, we skipped over a very important year, oh. 1972, when you yes. met the love of your life, mm-hmm. Charlene, and you got married. How did you meet her?
1: We met in 1968, actually. She oh. It was just before her 15th birthday and just before my 18th birthday.
0: Okay. She caught your eye oh, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: So we got married in December of 72. So we just celebrated our 50th anniversary.
0: Well, congratulations. And still very much in love. Yeah. Almost a rarity these days. Uh, when you met Charlene, how, how much later did you, once you got married, the, did you have children and move to PEI?
1: Well, there, there's a whole uh, era there in the 70s where I was playing disco music as a bass player.
0: <laughs> was that with Patch? Patch. Okay, yeah. tell us about Patch. That's quite a, an, an evolving from the accordion to disco. Well, it was a dance band. Okay, a, dan- a cover well, of dance band, and, uh, and was, that was popular in that yeah, era. Like yeah, we were
1: covering uh, the Doobie Brothers and Neil Sedaka.
0: Maybe, maybe and, not replicating Donna Summer, but that that genre of music. Yeah, movie, the, yeah. Commodores, uh, the Commodores, the uh, yeah, Commodores, right? You know, uh, all the dance music, right? You know, <laughs> Kiki D. Kiki D, what, don't go breaking my heart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're uh, yeah. yeah, we'll just skip over
1: that. But it was fairly popular. We were we there, there was huge uh, cabaret dance clubs. There in were hotels. And,
0: oh yes. You know, and standalones too. I remember. I think in that period, I might have been in, living in Atlanta at that time, and there were these. Well, Studio Fifty Four, of course, in New York, but that was something else. But it was these like standalone buildings, and that's what they were. They were disco, disco, dance, dance, club. dance clubs. Yeah. And you'd go in, and there'd be the lights, and then there'd be like these little stages where you can get up and dance in it. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it was quite the scene. Yeah. Yes. So how long did you do that? Uh,
1: That would have been from 74, I think, to 77.
0: Yeah, because in 1978, you moved and bought this property, Guernsey Cove. And we'll be right back with more of Gordon Balsher on Something to Talk About. You're listening to Something to Talk About
2: on Island Waves, the voice of Prince
0: Edward We're back with more of Gordon Belcher from Guernsey Cove Parlor Productions. And when we last left off, Gordon, you were bringing it this side of the country to Prince Edward Island. What inspired you? Did you create Gu- Guernsey Cove Parlor Recording Studio when you first moved, or was that kind of an evolving thing? Uh, that evolved. It yes.
1: We, came the, we, we were playing as a duo my wife and I Uh, in hotel lounges and uh, and community centers
2: and pubs and whatnot Uh, and then and we were experimenting again with track
1: on track reel to reel and then I got a four track Bostex double speed cassette Ah. which was again really interesting to learn on was yes and that's where uh the first couple of things that we recorded were done in that.
0: I think the band, it was a folk duo, and I think yeah. the band was called Comfort and then Jar Comfort. That's right. So you and Charlene did this. Yeah,
1: and then we added a third guy that uh, played.
0: And you played here in PEI. Yeah. Uh, what kind of venues?
1: Uh... Pubs. I started playing at the Old Dublin Pub we did uh, oh yes, in okay. 1985. So this summer will be my 38th year at the Old Dublin Pub.
0: <laughs> my goodness. And, and you're still playing there? Yeah. Well, good uh, for you. For St. Patrick's Day.
1: Yeah, I'll be there for St. Patrick's
0: oh, Day. Oh, yes. Yeah. Will you be playing with uh, your son-in-law?
1: Uh, no, not this year. I'm playing actually with Courtney Hogan Chandler. A fiddler. Yes.
0: And did you travel when you and Charlene were doing the duo?
1: Yes, we, were, uh, we had, an, again, a circuit. At, in those days, in the late 70s and the early 80s, uh, a lot of the hotels had lounges that had entertainment in them six nights a week. That's right. You know, so, and for the two of us, we would get the same pay as any other duo, but we could put it in one pocket. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. So it was a pretty good living. That was but, a nice you know, we'd way. we to... Uh, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, uh, Sydney, Cape Breton,
0: uh,
1: Ormocdu, New Brunswick, uh, St. John, New Brunswick, Halifax. We had a great gig in Halifax.
0: Now, was in that. In Truro? In Truro, yes. Was that, be- was that before the children were born? Yes. Okay, because yes. I was going to say, or did you pack them along with the instruments? And- well,
1: the first year after the first one was born, she came with us. Mm-hmm. And each time, like with the hotels, uh, the they would have a, a roster of babysitters who yes. would come in. You know, that you could hire. Right. And it was great. We'd be with her all day and then uh,
0: go Have to work the nanny at night. At night. <laughs> yeah, that right. sounds pretty ideal. Yeah, of wow. Course. I mean, that is quite an accomplishment, yeah. you know, yeah. because you were still fairly, very young, both of you, Yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you recorded an LP, you and yes. Charlene, in yeah. 1980. Did you do the uh, audio for no, that? No, we did
1: it. We recorded it at a studio in Halifax.
0: And what was it called? Audio Atlantic. And was it a, a a vinyl?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, 12 inch LP.
0: A 12 inch LP. How many songs? Uh, ten, I think. Oh, a full full LP, not yeah. just an EP. No. Oh wow, that's yeah. that's. Inc- do you still have it?
1: We sure do. Yeah.
0: You do. We'll have to take a picture of that. Yes. <laughs> do you have a turntable in the studio? Not in the
1: studio, but in yes, in the living
0: room. Uh, every everyone in <laughs> from <Yeah>. our generation <laughs> gets the uh, the. The vinyl. Yeah. Uh, your that's daughter coming back though. It is coming back. It's yeah. making a big comeback. In yeah. fact, a lot of artists are putting their music out for the last couple mm. of years now yeah. with vinyl. I have to laugh because the young generation acts like they're inventing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's right. something else that's coming back. You're gonna laugh. 8 tracks. Huh. I, heard I heard eight that tracks, too, yeah. eight tracks and cassettes. Oh now God. I no longer I have some eight tracks carts from when yeah. I was in radio. But I do have a cassette player, my my first, you know, Mm. and the tapes and all that. So, but the, uh, I will say, uh, with regard to vinyl, and I, of course, anybody that has vinyl today from yesteryear and has appreciated Mm. it, like, for example, when I take my vinyl out, I use gloves, Mm. (laughs) you know, no fingerprints. And as pristine as they, as it can be, once you get used to the digitalized, especially with headphones on, there's a big difference. Yeah in in it and in fact i think i heard um, a lecture where someone said that today's generation does not understand what it means to hear pure good music because they're so and not disparaging digitalization or compression or but there is a big difference there is is a big difference Uh, your daughter savannah was born in 1983 Mm -hmm. that's your first child yes so what was it like being on the road with the child? You were saying earlier you were able to travel, play your music and, and then have Yeah. So it's great uh, as
1: a you know, as a young dad to be able to spend all day and not be worried that you're not employed.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And then know that your child is safely being taken care of while you're at work. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference I mean, the only difference between that and people that work nine to five is the hour. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. It, it it but for Someone like yourself being able to do that with the love of your life, being on stage, earning a living and having your child too. It's mm. kind of like having your cake and eating it too. You must have been pinching yourself thinking this is. Well, I still do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is my life yeah. and I'm getting paid for this. Yeah. I don't know what I'm
1: gonna do when I grow up.
0: I don't think any of us do yet, right? I have to laugh when um, someone will tell me that their 13 or 14-year-old hasn't chosen a career path yet. And I think, Lord have mercy, yeah. there's many career paths she'll be choosing. So you formed a little bit of heat at some point and recorded Surrounded by Water. with recorded, You did a recording, Surrounded by Water, with Jara Comfort in 1988. Mm-hmm. What was the uh, inspiration on that?
1: Well, that was on that four-track machine I mentioned earlier.
0: Yes. And
1: uh, there was, uh, well, we, at that point, if you could sell well, your cassettes.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> People actually bought People them. People actually <laughs> bought them. Absolutely. <laughs> and yes. it really added
1: to your uh, your overall revenue to have products. That's right. As we called it. And at that point, it was cassettes. because it was the, uh, the late 80s. Uh, CDs were just coming into into
0: Uh, they were just yeah they they were were a whisper they were the new technology but not quite because i think we had a pretty good run with cassettes yeah and of course it was when i say fairly easy yes but no uh but you could for example have something produced and then make your copies or your dubs as we would call it right on your cassette
1: well and there were some uh, places you could send to get them manufactured
0: this is true yes yes for uh Mass manufactured at a better price than if then you were you sitting there even, doing you it yourself. yourself. Absolutely. And, and with better product. Obviously. And with better product, right? And usually with packaging, a yep. picture. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Cover printing and yes. wrap. Yes. Yes. All and, of it, right? Yeah. So where did you sell your cassettes? So where did you sell them? Where did you sell them? Yeah. Uh, mostly from stage. From, oh right yeah. the merch the merch yeah did you have t-shirts also <laughs> <laughs> No. no just, but the merch and they yeah. would buy the yeah. cassettes
1: yeah. yeah we had them in a few shops but uh, sure but that's know, where they mostly consignment.
0: that yeah that's where they yeah. mostly would sell and did you have fans loyal fans that would follow you and yeah so you had your own groupies. Yeah. Right. That had been a bit of a challenge, though, having your wife on stage. Well, she had her own groupies, too. Well, this is what I'm saying. Did you ever have to defend her honor by someone that was uh, Once up a little in Fort bit McMurray. too fanatical? Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Once up in Fort McMurray. Yeah. Really? You yeah. want to talk about it? <laughs> well, she
1: had a fairly, really nice wardrobe of... of period of uh, gowns that she made actually. Yes. With some and some had lace on them. This one fellow came and started touching the lace on her dress and I he was huge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when I
0: stood, I said, you stood I, your ground. Yeah. yeah. Yes, good. Yeah. Well I think um, so you acted as not only musician, frontman, manager, but bodyguard <laughs> yeah. adding to the pedigree. So we're gonna come back over to Guernsey Cove. When you first arrived, did you immediately set up the studio? Was that part of appropriating the rooms?
1: Uh, well, we always practiced and rehearsed in the parlors, and as you can see, is a is a separate room from the rest of the house, which is what they always were.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Those. So uh, it worked out to be a really good music room for rehearsing and uh, and and learning. And recording, so that's how
0: good acoustics.
1: Yeah. Yes. So uh, I guess it was 1991 that I got it. Went from the four-track to 16-track analog setup, which is basically what we have here now. And that's when we put the carpet on the wall
0: and. Uh, I was just looking to see how you had, if yeah. you had to do any. Uh, external soundproofing yeah. of the room
1: no just the uh, just, just the, the carpet to yeah the, even having the carpet on the one wall it deadens the sound it
0: deadens but it. not completely dead absolutely you know mm. right
1: being here in guernsey cove we didn't have to it's there's not a whole lot of external noise well you don't have to worry about the, urban, urban traffic
0: than wind, uh, other yeah. than the wind and, and that the, could be and tractors in the spring right the fall. <laughs> yes. but that could also be part of a, a recording or background yeah yeah, yeah. For sure. So when, when was the first time you did a full-length recording here?
1: Well, that would have been that surrounded that- by water.
0: Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: And that was on the four track. The first 16 track. Oof. That would have been 1992, I think, or 91. Yeah.
0: And then moving forward, uh, the Jar of Comfort disbanded in 1994. Mm-hmm. Why? And was it a bittersweet moment? Um, well, we had a,
1: we had a, a recording opportunity uh, from CBC, to, they were doing some recordings in the channel, our studio H in Halifax, for bands and whatnot. And so we were over there uh, putting a really, a lot of originals on this recording. And one of the band members gave one of our songs away to somebody else that was recording over there. And we were pretty upset for them.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. Without any, uh, yeah. gave just gave it away. Yeah. All rights to it. Yeah. And what happened with that song? Um...
1: Not very much. <laughs> okay.
0: So you didn't suffice it to say you didn't have to hire a high power lawyer no, to no, yes no. To, to go but, uh, and
1: we never we didn't really finish I've still got tapes of it but we didn't really finish but uh, that was it, un, unfortunate
0: it wasn't a my sweet lord he's so fine moment <laughs> <laughs> poor George Harrison right <laughs> and then your daughter uh, your second daughter was born 1994 yeah. around the same time the band was Yes, going yeah. uh, in different directions. And did that shape things for you music wise with the dynamics with Charlene performing and, and how did that change things?
1: Well, I was looking around for something else to do and, and Charlene uh, suggested that I call Richard Wood uh, and that was so he was just he was just starting to get really popular. He was 15, I think, or 16 at the time. And he had a showcase coming up at the ECMA in Sydney, and uh, I phoned him up and asked if he needed a bass player.
0: <laughs> so it's, let's talk about that. It's you, uh, Richard Wood, and Darla Chason?
1: No. Uh, for that showcase, it was uh, Skip and Kimberly Holmes. Okay. Skip was on, uh, up, do you remember, Up Home Tonight? Uh, there was a show on out of CTV. Yes. With Gordon Stobie and his band. And Skip was the banjo player on that, but he was the guitar player for our showcase. And his wife, Kimberly, was a keyboard player.
0: And what, did the band have a name, or did the group have a name? Well, it was just Richard Wood. Richard Wood, yeah. right? And then from there, you continued with Richard Wood. Yes, and formed that's right. That with Darla Chason. With Darla Chason. Indeed. And what was the name of that group, or was it still Richard Wood? Uh,
1: I think he called it the Celtic Touch Band because his uh, his album that came out was called Celtic Touch at that point. That was that was fun. He was seventeen. She was sixteen. I was 42.
0: <laughs> okay. So were you the manager with the wisdom?
1: Uh, no, no, his dad was there, his, his
0: dad. Manager. And then you started playing the old Dublin pub and from there it says you traveled to the United Kingdom.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: How was it different in traveling to the UK then versus the first time?
1: Well, it was successful. <laughs> I
0: see. And that, that was traveling with Richard and Darla?
1: Uh, first time with Richard and Darla. And then uh, Darla found that she hated the travel. So after the first tour, she said, I'm not doing this anymore. So we were able to get uh, Brad Fremlin, who was the drumming and piano instructor at the College of Piping. So we recruited him, and the next nine or ten tours over the UK were with him.
0: So you actually had a tour. And who booked that? Well, Richard's father. Well, Was no, he had, he had an agent. He had an in, agent. An English agent. Even at age 15?
1: Yeah. Well, the agent uh, had seen him uh, at one of the ECMAs, ECMAs. In Charlottetown.
0: Right, yes. From when Daryl left the band, did the band break up, or did you continue to perform?
1: Well, we continued. We got Brad. With
0: Richard. Oh, with Brad, yes. Brad and then uh, you played at the Canada Games in Manitoba. yes. What year was that?
1: 1997. That was between Darla. That was the one gig between Darla and Brad.
0: Okay. <laughs> it, right. And when Brad joined, you actually also toured Scotland, Wales, Denmark. Yeah. So it was a, a European. Um, yeah. yeah. What was that like? And did all your family past. come?
1: Yeah. It was uh, the, the the festival in Tuner, Denmark. This, that's probably my favorite gig.
0: Right. Time.
1: Yeah. We've done it three times.
0: So hotel to hotel and all that, or traveling by train, or how did you... By car. By car. And uh, did the family go with you? Not all the times.
1: They were over a couple of times, once in 98, and then...
0: Both children as well? Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, so they... They didn't tour with us,
1: though. No, no, no. I think it was one of the last shows on the tour. They came and showed up, and then... We stayed on together in England.
0: But fair to say, they grew up in this environment of music, both mom and dad performing yeah. and yeah. always a musical instrument. Do either of them play and perform? Um,
1: Savannah was, is a really good singer. Yes. Uh, she's an even better dancer. And, uh, she is. We did a, a, a trio, her and her, well, her fiance at the time, Todd. Todd McLean, Todd yes. Yeah. And uh, loved that for we did that for two summers. But she was finding that uh, when a, we'd have a show coming up, she'd lose the day before and the day after to anxiety, so it just she couldn't keep doing it, sure. Yeah,
0: and the energy that you have to put into it
1: exactly. It's just for some reason, the, the dancing, which to me would be a whole lot more intimidating, but she
0: had no problem. But she lives dance. it and breathes it, yeah. I've seen her perform, yeah. and I could see that that's her comfort. Yeah, her her, yeah. her comfort zone. You've been to a lot of amazing places, yeah. um, all over the world, yes. and you've performed. Do you have a favorite? As a tuner, in Denmark, favorite. And why? The environment, the atmosphere, yeah, the people. Yeah,
1: just uh, really felt like you're part of the world stage, you know, uh, and just it just seems so. Denmark seems so civilized.
0: It does. I think, I think you know, it ranks right up there. If yeah. it's not the best place yeah. to live in the world, yeah. it's right up I, there. And,
1: and like the, that your circle of acquaintances in Denmark is kind of like PEI. You'll have, you'll know the fishermen and farmers as well as the doctors and the lawyers. Absolutely, so everybody's kind of on the same level.
0: Yeah. Yes. Very. Very calm, civilized, really awesome. cultured people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Scotland. Yeah. And yeah. Scotland. I love Scotland. Yes, I had a friend that mm-hmm. toured in Scotland and he was just amazed at the beauty and the people. Yeah. You recorded the national anthem at the 2004 Special Olympics. Yes. And your daughter Savannah was singing with you on that or yes. she sang it? And she sang it uh, on the recording, yeah. That had been quite the experience. Yeah, that was wonderful. And Savannah was, how old at that point? She was still fairly young. Uh, I was
1: two, three, so she would have been 20, maybe 19. Yes.
0: And that had to be a very proud moment for her mom and dad, huh? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, And in 2006, your solo album was nominated for an ECMA. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell me about that.
1: 2000, 2000, the first, my first solo album was nominated as well in 201 in Halifax. And the second one, as you say, was uh, 208 in uh, Fredericton. So it was pretty exciting.
0: And we'll be right back with more of Gordon Balsher on something to talk about. parlor productions for all your audio and recording needs see the good folks at guernsey Cove parlor productions by calling 902-962-3204 to book your appointment located in beautiful prince edward island guernsey Cove parlor productions is a six-time nominee of canada's east coast music association studio of the year Guernsey Cove Parlor Productions is proud to be home of Prince Edward Island's favorite recording studios. Be sure to get in touch with the good folks at Guernsey Cove Parlor Productions located in beautiful Prince Edward Island. Now here's a little sample of what they can do.
2: I tell you that I love you, that I think about you all the time.
0: Charlene Belcher. Oh, that was nice. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Is it all right if we play that? Sure. Okay. Yeah. This is Island Waves, and you are listening to Something to Talk About, and our guest today is Gordon Belcher. Let's talk about the studio. You and Charlene, of course, performed and recorded, and you came to Guernsey Cove in the mid-90s or early 90s.
1: We came no. here in, in 70, 78.
0: Right, seventy eight. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm getting losing track of all my years here. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: it's easy to do. Easy them.
0: to do. <laughs> when at what point did you start producing for others, where people would come in and they would reco- uh, you would record their yeah. their music? Well, I did two outside projects
1: after two jar comfort ones that we did on that little four-track machine. I did two outside projects on that as well, which got me, you know, well, I'd really like to get a little bit more into this. So then, uh, uh, do you remember Urban Carmichael?
0: I do. Urban
1: was working for the provincial department of industry at that time, and he guided me through an application to get a grant from the department of industry to put to upgrade the studio to 16-track.
0: Thank you, Urban Carmichael. Yes, yes indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. And is that when you produced the album projects using Born Neath the Star?
1: That No, Born Neath the Star was the first one that was done outside of Jar Comfort. Okay. On the four-track.
0: What about uh, Eastern King's Chorus and Stealing the Blarney for Alan Mollinot? <laughs> well,
1: uh, Eastern King's Chorus was
0: uh, Born Neath the Star. Okay. Yeah. All right. And
1: Alan Mollinot... Stealing, stealing stealing the
0: blarney, the blarney yeah. yes and in december 1991 you, that was the time you got the grant and upgraded your gear to the 16 track yeah. the tascom and the mixing board and uh, all of your your synthesizers and <laughs> monitors and monitor so you did and a baby grand piano is yes. that this one
1: that's one
0: yeah. my goodness yeah. it's just beautiful yeah just a lovely piano so that was quite a big leap for you. It was. Was, it was. Charlene supportive? Oh of course. Of course. Yeah. And was she getting back involved with your music or was she focused more on the administrative ends of the yes. household yeah. and the business yeah, and the all kids. that? And the children. Well, that's why I say yeah. the the uh, administrative ends of, of yeah. all of it. Now when you toured, did she keep up with like your touring schedule and did you have a manager or was she the manager? How did that work when you were touring with, uh, with, with the other? Yes, with Richard.
1: Um, no, he always, I, I would just be a sideman for Richard's touring in right. the late 90s and uh, in early 2000s. Then... Uh, Along came Cynthia McLeod,
0: actually. Right. Yeah. And you went on tour with her? Yes. Yes. In the early 2000s. And so, let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, When you went on tour with Cynthia, were you still playing bass? No, no, I was playing guitar by then. You were playing guitar. I was playing guitar guitar for Richard as well. Okay, and doing vocals. And vocals. And vocals. Yeah. Cynthia, was she recording at that time?
1: Well, she did her first album here
0: in in, in Guernsey Cove Parlor yeah,
1: in 2002.
0: Oh, that's great. She was 16. <laughs> she was 16. Yeah. Between 2015-2019, there were quite a number of accomplishments that you had. You were the nominee for the Music PI Musician of the Year and Producer of the Year. Guernsey Cove Parlor Productions was nominee. For the Music PEI Studio of the Year. So you had a lot of things going on. Yeah. I busy. would say the name Gordon Belcher in music have, were at that point one.
1: Well, I got the Lifetime Achievement from Music PEI. That's wonderful. But I told Problems and they were going to give it to me. I said, well, I don't think I'm done yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good point. Right. That Ooh. kind of has a. a a passive-aggressive <laughs> way of saying, yeah. "Okay, next, <laughs> you're done. Thank you, and thank you for your service." Right? And then you also had a, a nom- nomination for the Male Solo Recording of the Year. Was that for uh, you or Richard?
1: Uh, no, two four two. That was in two fifteen.
0: Yes, twenty fifteen. Yeah, no, that was my solo album. Your solo album. Solo album and yeah. what uh, let's talk about that. Uh, did you record that yourself, or did yeah. you? Yes. Uh, I so. Did. Actually, the
1: one before that won an an award, a Guy Music Award.
0: It did. The
1: past, present, past, and present was a winner.
0: Meanwhile, you're still touring and you're still playing and you're performing uh, in Quebec and Leaf Festival in North Carolina. Yeah. How did you jump over to North Carolina? And (laughs) did you did you guys travel in the states and perform?
1: Pretty extensive. Mostly of the U.S. that we did was in New England, the New England states. And that's still carrying on. Cynthia and I are going to New England in May of this year.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Uh,
1: But it's because, like, here to Boston is closer than here to Montreal. And all the places to play between here and there. And they really understand the kind of music we play.
0: And appreciate
1: it. And appreciate Mm
0: -hmm. it. So who is arranging that tour? I've done that already. You've done it. Yeah. So you've taken over as far as that aspect yeah, of Yeah,
1: I, I did most things. of the tour managing for Richard as well after his dad died.
0: So you do wear many hats. Yeah. <laughs> he plays, <laughs> he engineers it, and now he manages it and arranges the tours. That's That's several people's jobs, and you don't seem to be slowing down. Well, hopefully not. I think that's, that's, well, that is true. I believe that. I'm a firm believer of that. Let's talk about, if we can, recording at Doug Riley's house in Little Pond, PEI. The last recording made by Canada's Dr. Music before his death in 2007, along with Danny B and Bernie Labarge. Yes. Yes. Uh, was it? You can't make peace. Yes. Is that the name of the song? Yeah. The album is called. The, the album. album. Yeah. Okay.
1: Which uh, that would be the title song. You can't make peace.
0: And so it was actually recorded at his home.
1: Yeah, I took like uh, again. It was on the uh, on the analog. I took the analog machine.
0: to You his took that house. big board. Yeah. To his house.
1: And set up in his music room, and uh, we recorded it live off the floor pretty well.
0: Amazing. The three,
1: the three of them together. Danny was in the, the vestibule through a, a, a glass door like that, and Bernie had a direct line with his guitar, sitting in the same room, and then dug on the acoustic uh, grand piano.
0: That must have been quite the. Uh, how long did that take you? Two days. And that was his last recording. Yeah. That was incredible. That it was captured.
1: Yeah. Yes. And that's really all I had to do. I, I didn't really do much other than capture it, and then we brought it back here to edit, master it, edit. It.
0: Leaving in Anne project in two thousand eight, yeah. celebrating the one hundredth anniversary of the first publication of Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. Uh, you performed in that, uh, or you wrote uh, some original tunes. No, I actually just engineered it. You engineered I it, put it to on stage. No, you recorded it. In it. In the okay. Yeah. And then in 2008, also uh, there was a solo album. I'm not old yet. <laughs> <laughs> what was the impetus on that, or the inspiration?
1: Well, I wanted to have put. Well, I wanted to record. There was two new songs I wanted to record. One of Mark Haynes that he did on the Ann Project, and uh, the other one that I got from uh, from David Miles, because uh, the. Uh, I'm not old yet. Right. Uh, song. I he wrote that for me. Oh,
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> I was <in> my 50s. <laughs> well, it's always nice to have a song written about you. So, And it wasn't unflattering, so that's good. Well, it was a great
1: song. He won uh, a worldwide uh, folk uh, award for that song. That's, that's incredible.
0: And then in 2009, you did a tribute to the late director of the College of Piping, Scott mm-hmm. McCau- uh, McCauley. Mm-hmm. Uh, And did a double CD, uh, one disc of previously unreleased solos, piping, and plus a compilation of A Lifetime of Achievement. And that won the 2010 Music PEI Award. You just don't stop, do you? (laughs) What do you enjoy more? Uh, And this may be a very unfair question, but what do you enjoy more? Writing? Performing? or recording and engineering for others?
1: Probably live performance. Live performance. Mean, of the, I mean, it's not the, I mean, I love recording too. Of
0: course, you
1: know, yeah. And I, it, the time just flies by when you're in the it, studio.
0: It does, just, and you don't realize it yeah. until your neck hurts and you can't yeah. or pick or your, your head up. Or says, hey. Or, yeah, or you're going headlong into the microphone because you haven't eaten or drunk or forgot to breathe out. Tell us about the Wood- Woodford Folk Festival in Australia in 2011. Yeah. 2011 yeah yeah uh, it was a
1: lifetime bucket list that kind of thing
0: your bucket list
1: yeah my bucket list was to go to australia so uh the lady that ran run that festival uh was here for one of the PEI showcase events and saw us perform and uh and uh an agent from newfoundland put this canadian package together for the for the woodford folk festival so we were over there with ron hines and oh uh, my. Sisters. And uh, Dardanelles, they were called at the time. Tom Power, who's now on CBC, mm-hmm. was in the Dardanelles. Who else was there? And then we, we just happened to run into Matt Anderson and uh, David Miles, who were over there as well.
0: Isn't it amazing when you see a familiar <laughs> face? It's like, what are you doing here? Yeah, do you find the traveling a bit daunting? Has it, I mean, obviously, uh, nothing to do with age, just the, the climate of. The complexity of flying and the...
1: I always enjoyed the travel as an end in itself. Like, you know, I just loved being in an airport or being on...
0: There's something about it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Flying is not as much fun anymore.
0: Well, it is a bit challenging.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think almost anybody that's flown in the last five or six years or even up to ten years ago has some horror stories to tell you.
0: Oh, I don't. Almost if you've traveled and you yeah. don't have one, I think that would be the anomaly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, that would be the strangest. Yeah. Not to mention all the, well, traveling through the start of this century with all the events going on, and mm. then fast forward to now where you basically, when you travel, you just strap on your credentials and hopefully they can just scan it as you're going past. little some <laughs> your luggage. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's that, and then the the airlines that seem to be having their Challenges, shall we say politely, in 2013, Roots Traditional Recording of the Year. Yes. Let's talk about that.
1: That was the one that uh, won. That was that's the only one
0: that I've won. (laughs) But you also won Country Recording of the Year
1: Uh, in 2013. uh, Eddie Quinn. I well, Eddie,
0: for Rememory? Yeah. Yes. Uh, you, but you were involved with yeah, that. I produced it? Edna, Edna Mae Quinn and yeah. Eddie Quinn. Yes. Yeah. And Eddie wrote That's My Mom yeah. for this CD. Yeah. Your song, Cradle of Canada. Yeah, one of ten finalists in the the PEI Sesquicentennial Song Search. Well, that is a broadcaster's nightmare if you can't.
1: Sesquicentennial,
0: yeah. Sesquicentennial Song Search. All what is that alliteration when you get? Yeah, okay. You were one of the ten finalists in that for Cradle of Canada. Yeah, yeah. That that's, your achievements are incredible. Uh, You also got artistic director for the PEI. You are the artist or were the artistic.
1: In 2014, I
0: was. Yeah, for the PEI Mutual Festival of Small Halls. Well, we talked about the Tender. Was it the Tender or Tonder Festival in Denmark? It's pronounced Tuner, but it's spelled like Tonder. Then in 2014, the Alberta Tour with Niels Niels Ling and Cynthia McLeod. Your solo album, Vagamon Minstrel. Yeah. That's a very interesting title. You just haven't stopped. Uh, and again, now you're embarking on a New England tour yes. with Cynthia. And how long will that be?
1: Uh, it's 19 days away. There's 13 shows.
0: That's very ambitious. <laughs> that is very ambitious. It'll be ambitious.
1: interesting to see if I can handle that
0: after. You'll handle so. it. <laughs> Once that guitar gets in your hands and you get on stage, it's in the lights. <laughs> yeah. So when you tour, with typically in this case with Cynthia, is there an entourage or?
1: It'll just be the two of
0: us. The two of you. Yeah. So who does all your 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 roadie work, so to speak? Well, we can travel with a fairly small system. Yeah. So you do all the setting up yeah. and yeah. and all that. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty ambitious. And most the, uh,
1: there's I think there's only one night in a hotel. The rest is all staying with people. Oh, friends.
0: that's. That's nice. Now, will Charlene be accompanying you on that?
1: She won't. I don't think she's coming for. She's not coming for the whole tour for sure. She might come halfway through. So Just, we, she doesn't want to be away for 19 days and be company for 19 days.
0: Absolutely. Right. So you sort of are living the dream life of a of a rock star or a rock star, <laughs> not necessarily in the genre of music, but a rock star in that you're 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 living the dream. You're living your life's and mm-hmm. your uh, life's ambitions. Yeah. It, this is phenomenal. Yeah. And, and again, you every once in a while, you have to pinch yourself and, and say, yeah. this is my life.
1: Yeah. My latest philosophy is uh, I want to spend it all before I go, but I don't want to go before I spend
0: it all. <laughs> that is very good. I like that. I like that. We came through a couple of difficult uh Three to four years at this point with first uh, the pandemic. Mm. How did that affect things for well, you? Well, shut
1: everything down. Right.
0: Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So there was no performing, but were you also still composing and maybe doing things in the studio, or mm-hmm. did you kind of just use that time to also take a break from it all?
1: Yeah, I was ready to stop uh, touring uh, the way we were touring with Richard in after 2019 I was ready to stop doing that anyway so it really wasn't a, a big adjustment in 2020 when when the pandemic hit but ever since then there hasn't been much really re- hasn't been much recovery yet last summer was not too bad here at e. but the rest of the, re- the rest of the year is pretty pretty long
0: well i you know we're just catching our breath and getting yeah. through the pandemic and Ooh, putting our pain. little toe in the water and then boom we get hit with Fiona did you yeah. guys get uh, a lot of damage here at the. We them. just lost one big tree. Oh my goodness! You were blessed. Yes. We're still looking at my place. There, they gave me a three to five year recovery. Is that right? It well, you know, the the back, the where the woods are, the yeah. plantation, yeah. was okay because there's a lot of new growth and anything that was old will serve as mulch, but. Right in the front fields it's 70% blown yeah. down it was a vicious vicious uh, it, it just cut one limb of our tree you were lucky also yeah. you were yeah. lucky as well yeah. did you have power
1: we lost power for i think it was
0: 11 days yes but we have a generator generator backup yeah. that has become the new way
1: exactly
0: yeah. i didn't did think my well. life would uh, include getting up in the morning and starting a generator and <laughs> and you get a different appreciation for things like power, water, yeah. Yeah. sounds.
1: Yeah. Like we bought a big one. We were, our neighbor, when we were looking at getting one, you know, like uh, we talked to people that had them and they just, he said, get the biggest one you can get. He said, You'll not regret that.
0: I wish someone had given me that advice, right. but yeah. I, in in retrospect, I wish yeah. I had gotten either something bigger or the coveted Jedirak.
1: Yeah, the ones that keep
0: come on automatically. They yeah. do. Yeah. All you have to do is once the power goes out, it comes on and it powers yeah. your whole house. they're, but they're more expensive. Way oh, more. they're yeah, twelve thousand. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes.
1: Mm. But I, like I, I think about it a lot. Like since COVID, especially, like, you know, uh, I I wasn't ready to retire, but I feel like I've really resigned, (laughs) you know. To retiring? Well, resigned from what I do.
0: Oh, right. But not really. You're going on tour, Gordon.
1: This year, this is the first tour since 2019. This is 2023.
0: But even even Mick Jagger gives himself a break (laughs) and goes on holiday (laughs) or hiatus, (laughs) all of them, so... Uh, it's. It, I think in a way it's given us a chance to step back, uh, reevaluate, reconfigure, well, reinvent ourselves with different things. I don't
1: want to reinvent, I just want to keep doing it. Well, <laughs> I'm keeping going with it. Yeah, well, whatever
0: your choice is. Have you, so you, safe to say, since the pandemic, you haven't had any uh, individual artists or groups coming in for recording?
1: A few, but
0: not many. And then
1: the, the other thing about recording these days, just like you have here, Virtually everybody has their own recording studio.
0: As I like to say, everybody yeah. with a cell phone or a device is either a journalist or, or reporter or... Or a photographer. Or a photographer <laughs> or, dare I say, an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things are much different. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't even want to think about whether or not that's good or bad.
2: Right.
0: I think no. we're grateful for the skills we have exactly. and that yeah, we're exactly. still putting into practicum.
1: But sometimes I sit here and write what I call my man cave with all my toys around and whatnot and uh sometimes it just sort of feels like I'm sitting in a museum
0: <laughs> but it's your museum yeah. and you can look around and as you yeah. uh, looked at and as I'm looking at your wall here you have a lifetime of achievements and a lifetime of memories up there I see you have the picture uh, or the the poster of Saxaphras where you were playing with Todd and Savannah uh, so pictures of you and, and Cynthia and, and the one up top uh, honest to goodness looks like uh, the Fab Four from Liverpool <laughs> so, well they
1: were our, our heroes for sure
0: they were and we had a lot to go to and I think I think today there's still a lot of good artists out there mm-hmm. and then there's smoke and mirrors. Yeah. But as always, so you're about to go on this tour to New England. After that, the summer will be busy again here. Performing and recording. In In PEI. Oh, yes, it will. Yeah, Yeah, we had a good experience with that last year. I think things started recovering, and I believe people are really looking forward to a good season. But uh, the fabric of our island is changing. Absolutely, as is everywhere. Uh, Yes. Because
1: that's with the traveling, I've noticed that. The crowded places in the, on the planet are getting really crowded. Very, know, yeah.
0: the, very. The and people are escaping some of the lifestyles that they had. Yeah. yeah, I know Prince Edward Island really got some attention, brought to it, because at some point we were the only province that had the least amount of cases of COVID. Yeah. And I think a lot of the influx, like, for example, of Ontarians that came, or even the ones from Al- uh, from Edmonton or Alberta, yeah. some big yeah. city, yeah. Uh, was because they were thinking, what do they know that we don't know? And maybe this is a better way of life. And a lot of them either came to visit, or I've met people that would just flat out sell their houses and come here with no housing, yeah, thinking, sight unseen. Sight mm-hmm. unseen. Yeah. And it was amazing. Uh, So I think things are going to be changing. How do you see that? Do you think that's a good thing for Prince Edward Island?
1: It's hard for the younger people that live here because the prices have gotten almost unreachable unreachable for them. Um, But I think... All along, we always thought, well, if there was twice as many people here, it would be a whole lot easier to make a living. <laughs>
0: we thought that. We'll yeah. see. I yeah. guess, say, La Vie, right? Mm. Any plans to release more music and albums for yourself? Not at the moment.
1: Uh, I've got a couple of things that I'm working on, but Any? Not, nothing in particular.
0: Any chance of you and Charlene collaborating, or do you kind of guys just play and enjoy doing that?
1: Yeah. Well, you have a couple of gigs a year, maybe.
0: Really? Yeah. And she
1: just did uh, a recording for the Confederation Centre. Uh, they were had a tribute to uh, uh, Simons, uh, and like we, well, she was on the board of the Confederation Centre for seven years. And at their summer picnic barbecue, uh, Mr. Simons would be there, and she would sing uh, Dewey McLean's Caledonia for him. At oh, some that's point lovely. That's,
0: that's nice. So they had
1: us recorded. Mm.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I would ask if you're looking to create or join any more bands, but I'm thinking the answer to that is either we'll see or an absolute flat out <laughs> no. So, which is it? Well, uh,
1: this last year or so, I've been uh, playing with Todd, my son in law, and Cynthia, and Courtney Holden Chandler, another great fiddler, uh, Emerald, and then also with Allison Giggy, Neil Sling's so I've been alternating playing, you know, if one of them is not available, I'll phone the next one if they're not yes. available. And I'll do that for as long as they'll play with me.
0: Well, that's wonderful. So you see yourself staying with music. Uh, the word retirement, I don't think, is in any of our vocabulary. No. Mm-hmm. no. And that's. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. I think we're going to keep going mm-hmm. until they can't wind us up anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to
1: keep doing it until I can't do it.
0: Well, that, that is good. Yeah. And what advice would you give... Knowing what you know today, Gordon, and accomplished as you are, and all the things we talked about, and there's so much more that we probably haven't even scratched the surface, what advice would Gordon Belsher today give Gordon Belsher of age 14? Ooh, what a great question.
1: What a great question.
0: <laughs> Take your time.
1: Well, I'd say keep, you know, keep trying to uh, do what you do. There's another line that I always liked was, when you get to the uh, cliff edge, trust your cape.
0: Oh, I love that. Can you say that one more time? I like that.
1: (laughs) When you get to the cliff edge, trust your cape.
0: Are you at the cliff edge? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what makes it exciting and interesting. I know one
1: one section we missed was uh, Buddy Knox.
0: Let's talk about Buddy Knox.
1: Buddy was one of the most professional people I ever met yeah, and he had a big influence I was toured with him Even I was in my early 20s I was playing bass uh, his his backup band uh, actually the leader of the backup band was in the heat with me and uh, when they needed a new bass player he phoned me and asked me if I wanted to tour so uh, we got to meet buddy come along and be my party doll Knox
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Come along and be my party doll. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And this was when you were living in Alberta?
1: Yeah. Okay. But we toured out to, out to Nova Scotia and back.
0: That's oh. So all along the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And how long did that tour
1: last? Uh, it was from October to April that year. So six months, I guess. And okay. Charlene came with me. And we were, like, the clubs at that, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, a lot of the clubs ran six nights a week, and in New Brunswick, they actually ran seven nights a week. There was, two, there was a stint we did in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia where we played 35 nights in a row.
0: My goodness. One night off
1: and 31 nights in a row.
0: Of course, we were younger than the now, but... Yeah, but most
1: of them were, like, six nights in a, right. or seven nights in the same club. But there was one Monday night in particular in Rishi New Brunswick, in February. And uh, there were six people in the club. Six people. Six people.
0: And and you still had to make your obligation. And
1: so I was sitting at the bar thinking, "Hmm." and Buddy came up to me and said, well, Gord, how do you like the big time? (laughs) (laughs) Touche. So I I never forgot that, because he still gave those six people the best show they'd ever seen.
0: Isn't that amazing? That's quite the ideal Of of performance. You know, so that stuck with me. Of course, and being young and impressionable, that that was that was good mentoring. Yeah,
1: that's the attitude I've tried to take ever since.
0: Go forward with it. Yeah. Did you? uh, How long did you stay with that tour? Uh,
1: Six months. It was.
0: Yeah, that's pretty long, especially playing that hectic of a schedule. Yeah. Any regrets along the way? Overall. The life. Overall.
1: Yeah. Um. Probably a few, but most of them wouldn't have to do with music business.
0: Well, it's what makes us, right? Yeah. It's who we become. through adversity builds strength?
1: Yes, for sure, yeah, determination.
0: Yes, and safe to say music is your go-to, it's your sanctuary, it's your world. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that a happy world to be in? Not bad. Not, bad. not, bad. not bad. I'd say all in all, it's been a good life, hasn't it, Gordon? Yeah, not yeah. too bad. Not too bad. That's not too Patrick, shabby.
1: That's what Patrick Ledwell always says.
0: Yes, so not, not too bad. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the
1: islanders Islanders always say, well, how's she going? Not too
0: bad. <laughs> not <laughs> too bad. As if
1: too bad is the normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Any last words? Uh,
1: well, no, it's been great.
0: Well, I asked you what advice you'd give Gordon of 14 from Gordon Today. What advice would you give young musicians of today, knowing what you know now? Mm.
1: Uh, don't give up. Keep doing it. Try to find a way to monetize what you do. That's really, really difficult. It is. And uh, if necessary, don't quit your day job.
0: <laughs> that is very sound advice. That is very sound advice. But as far as the monetization, I think today's generation, that seems to be either first or second in line.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They seem to have a knack for, as I call them, TikTok stars mm-hmm. and seem to be happy with doing that, which is a little different from maybe what our goals or our well, dreams. Well, certainly the music business has changed It entirely, has.
1: You know, like the... The, the heroes that we had that had, you know, they'd have a number one hit and sell all those records uh, and uh, you the records would enable you to tour. Uh, and now the touring is what is the only source of
0: revenue. And quite frankly, I think it shifted from what you said earlier to if they're going to sell their records or the recordings, it's not necessarily records, they have to tour. Yeah, It's like if you write a book, if you don't tour, if you're not willing to tour, your book's not going to sell. Did you ever, ever have a time where you just said, I don't want to do this anymore? No. Okay. (laughs) On that note, we will end. Thank you so much, Gordon, and continued success, is that seems to pale in comparison to what you've accomplished. Uh, great, great uh, reviews on everything. Continue picking and grinning, and good luck with the tour coming up. Thanks a lot. And safe travels. Thanks a lot. I'd like to thank our guest today, Gordon Belcher, for allowing us a glimpse into his wonderful life, and to Charlene Belcher for graciously allowing us the time to come into her home and studio, and to my co-host and audio technician, Anne Frazier. This is Island Waves, and you've been listening to Something to Talk About, and we leave you coming out the door with a little treat from Gordon Belcher. This is The Ballad of St. Anne's Reel. Enjoy it.
3: He was stranded in some tiny town on Fair Prince Edward Island, waiting for a ship to come and find him. A one-horse place, a smiling face, some coffee and a tiny trace, a fiddling in the distance far behind him. A dime across the counter, then a shy hello, brand new friend. They walked along the street in the wintry weather.
0: A yellow light, an
3: open door, and a welcome friend, there's room for more. Now they're standing there inside together. He said, I've heard that tune somewhere before it, but I can't remember when. Was it on some other friendly or Did I hear it on the wind? Was it written in the sky above? and think it heard it from someone I love. Never heard it sound so sweet since then. Here it is. Well, now his feet begin to tap, a little boy says, I'll take your hat. He's caught up in the magic of her smile. Leap the heart inside him, went it off across the floor. He sent his clumsy body graceful as a child. He said, there's magic in the fiddler's arm, there's magic in this town. Magic in the dancers' feet, in the way they put them down. People smiling everywhere Boots and ribbons, locks of hair Laughter and old blue suits and Easter gowns Yes, sir! The old piano's sitting there, someone's hat's left hanging on the rack Empty chairs, a wooden floor that feels a touch of shoes No more waiting for the dancers to come back And the fiddle's in the closet of some daughter of the town The strings are broken, the bow is gone, and the cover's buttoned down Sometimes on December nights When the air is cold and the wind is right There's a melody that passes through this town Here it is
0: Something to talk about is a door in the floor production in association with Winterlude Studios for Island Waves, the voice of Prince Edward Island. Executive producer and creator Virginia Winter. Research contributions by Brittany Williams. Audio technical and director assistance Brittany Williams. Post production Winterlude Studios Prince Edward Island master editing, Virginia Winter. The producers would like to acknowledge and thank all of our participants of our series, Something to Talk About, who generously gave their time to be interviewed and share their lives with us. And to Holland College School of Journalism and Mass Communications, particularly to Brittany Williams and to Lindsay Carroll special gratitude of thanks and appreciation to our technical guru and advisor, Dr. Watson Ohms, and to Millie, our loyal canine companion and moral support. Something to Talk About is a door-in-the-floor Winterlude Studio production made possible with support from Prince Edward Island Senior Secretariat and the Winter Foundation for Island Waves, the voice of... Prince Edward Idol.